0: All right. Well, today we are here with Cal Turner Jr. Cal Turner Jr. is the grandson of the founder of Dollar General. We're going to get into all that here in a little bit, but he grew up in Scottsville, Kentucky and on a farm, went to Vanderbilt University, uh, served in the United States Navy for three years after college before joining Dollar General as the CEO, where he took the company from 150 stores, over $40 million in sales to 6,000 stores and $6 billion in sales over 37 years, pretty incredible right there. Uh, Served on the board of a lot of major companies like Shoney's First American, First American Bank, uh, and on the board of educational, civil, civic and charitable organizations like Vanderbilt and Fisk Universities. Um, He is also a lifelong Methodist and has been inducted uh, into the fellows of the Society of John Wesley's by the Tennessee Conference of the United Methodist Church. And he is coming to us today from Nashville, Tennessee. you know, all of that, Cal, and i tell you, the, the thing to me is it's just an honor and a privilege to be able to call you a friend and a mentor. And just I, I really appreciate you spending a few minutes with, with me today. And you always have just such great wisdom to share.
1: Thank you, Greg. I consider us to
0: be brothers in Christ. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely.
1: It's, it's the best of all to say that.
0: You know, when I read your book, um, it it really, you know, I've known you for a couple of years now and we've talked several times, but when I read the book, it gave me an insight to you in a way that, I mean, I knew you were special and I knew the story was special, but the way you laid the book out and the things that you talked about and expressing and sharing your faith throughout the journey um, and the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties and and the things that happened. Um, really struck me in a way that, you know, I just, I have to to talk to Cal and we've got to get this out. And I want to ask some questions and going back to the beginning, you know, so the Dollar General store is such an iconic revolutionary brand. I don't think a lot of people quite realize where it's at now. 16,000 plus stores, $27 billion in sales. Look how
1: well they're doing
0: without me, Greg. (laughs) The mark of a true leader, right? What's the mark of a great leader? Well,
1: I've changed my definition of leadership to say that, of course, since I would qualify to be a good one with that definition. Yeah. (laughs) How well people do without
0: you. That's right. That's right. It should do even better.
1: I, I don't think that's a very orthodox definition of leadership.
0: Well I think it's the only definition of leadership and you huh. you, you know and, and uh, you know I've used it my entire career and, and you've used it and to me it's just so amazing. I mean you' you know Dollar General is still going to open a thousand stores this year when the retail landscape is collapsing on the brick and mortar front. Walmart's not opening stores but Dollar General is still continuing and thriving and it all started with a, with a gentleman with a third grade education that knew absolutely nothing about retail or entrepreneurship. Now, if God is not in the middle and all over that, I don't know what is, so. uh, God certainly has been.
1: And now that I'm 80 years old, Greg, and looking back on life, I can discern God in my past where I was not in touch with Him at the time. He's everywhere and in everything. I'm as a backsliding Methodist Uh I've just been out of touch. And I still work on that. on getting
0: in touch. So you came to Christ early and and you said at the same age. Christ came to
1: me early,
0: Greg. Christ came to you early. Christ
1: came to me early. I'm pleased to say it that
0: way. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So your grandfather was 11. When his life changed, you were 11 when your life changed. Yes. So, from that point on, did. Yeah, say something about that part right there. Yes, absolutely.
1: I didn't understand the change in my life. I just knew change, significant change, had happened in that experience of God, through Jesus Christ, that I felt at the age of 11, nothing I could have made up, nothing. It was beyond me. And I still revisit that, Greg. And now as I look back on life, I have discovered two things from that. I was convicted that while it's wonderful that Jesus Christ died for everybody, he had specifically done it for Cal Turner, Jr., specifically for me. And I was overwhelmed and overcome. <clears throat> what he had done is he'd gone to Calvary and he had died specifically for me. And now that i <clears throat> reanalyze what happened at 11. I realized two things. Just as I did not know what that meant, it was deep enough, Greg, that I realized I would need to ask the question every day of my life. What does it mean that Jesus Christ died specifically for me. And number two, I was warned that I'd have a cross to carry. Two things. Life is about asking the right question. It's not about coming up with the best answer. I can never come up with the best answer. But through Christ, if I can come up with a better question, I'm in a good place. And I should ask that question of my conversion every day I live.
0: Well, that's incredible. That's, that's just such an amazing perspective to be able to look back from that point onward, and then see how that impacted your life at every point in your life. And I, think, I think it
1: is amazing perspective because it is not my perspective. I got it from my Lord, and it is amazing. Now, I think he might just possibly have a different perspective for you, Greg, than he does for me because we're all one-of-a-kind. We're all unique. And God has something uniquely in mind for everyone who, by His grace, asks the right question. And life can really get messed up. And you you can be struggling and squirming and trying to figure it out. But if, through Christ, you can ask the right question, don't pray for answers, pray for the right question that you can pursue with Christ. Life's about the questions. It's not about the answers. Only God has the answers. Cal, get over yourself. You're not God ask a better question
0: of God every day of your life. So at what point did that occur to you, that it was a matter of asking the right question? Well, it didn't occur at a point. It evolved. And I'm trying
1: to describe how I have evolved over these 80 years. I just, in January, celebrated my 80th And life is a process, and if I have the grace of inviting Christ into that process, I am profoundly blessed. I used to be aggravated with God, Greg, because He wouldn't give me straight answers when I'd pray. Is it this or is it that? And God seemed to say,
0: yes.
1: And I'd say, holy crap, I asked you a good question and I didn't get an answer. Well, I think God wants me to be in the quest, wants me to include him in the question. And it could be, option A or B if I brought him in to the discernment of the answer and especially if I bring him into implementing the answer. What I think our Lord wants is to be a recognized part of our life that is for us to recognize that he's there and i've always called myself a practicing backsliding methodist <laughs> and and i was once asked point blank what's a backslider and i said well a backslider is someone who has jesus christ as his standard and that forces him to acknowledge he's a backslider. But that acknowledgement of being a backslider perhaps helps him to connect with other backsliders in a way that can everybody can backslide less and help each other. I need the help of my brother like you, Greg. I, 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 I'm a hanging, hurting hog. I grew up on the farm. <laughs> no, I didn't grow up on the farm, but I've been around farms.
0: Only. You were born on the farm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, but uh, life is in the everyday living, and it's full. If, if I have the wisdom and grace to invite Christ in, to the everyday stuff, and I've always thought that Jesus Christ is the most misunderstood, underestimated uh, of all. And if I if I can just uh, use a question to bring him in and for us to have a a connection as brothers, that's why I like saying to you, Greg. Uh, never mind friend, which is is great. I consider you my brother in Christ. I admire how you pursue that question and how you do it with so many people in a way that helps everybody. So perhaps I'm just announcing to you, Greg, that you are a practicing backslider, whether you admit it or not. or I hope
0: <laughs> I'm in the club. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you, you know, it's just such an amazing story and journey in your book. So the other thing that struck me, and I got it right away, my father's business, because I know you. So a lot of people that didn't know you would assume that that book was about your father, your earthly father. And they would read into it and even reading into it, they might still think, well, it's a book about your, you know, your grandfather and starting the company and then your dad being in there. And of course you grew up in the company starting by pushing the broom around in the stores and following, you know, your dad and your grandfather around the stores. And uh, how did you, and when did you come up with that? Cause I know that's not the title that you started with.
1: Oh, we worked hard to get the right title. And um, when that, became under consideration, I realized that is the right title. And I think every reader of the book is on earth to pursue my father's business. And I hope by sharing my pursuit of my father, earthly and heavenly father's business, if I share that, with the ups and the downs, the heartache, the pain, the loss, the mistakes I've made, maybe I can help the reader in the reader's pursuit of my father's business that That's what I hope to do. And I did intend the double meaning. Um, many times throughout the history of the company, I'd be with with some friends, and I'd have to go back to work, and I'd say, excuse me, I have to be about my father's business. Well, that, you know, Christ, at the age of 12, and didn't you know that I'd be about my father's business when Mary and Joseph were really ticked at him for what he had done? He said, well, i would be about my father's business. Well, see, he was a year older than than I was at my time of conversion, but he was already about his father's business.
0: Yes, that's that's such a great, just there's just so much in there when you think about my father's business and being about my father's business. Uh, there There's so much you can do with that and so much people can take with it, but I'm glad that you were given that title because I know you didn't take it. We know it was given to you. <clears throat> and and it, it is out there and it is impacting in a way that I think is, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's going to impact in a way that I think that's even beyond anything that, that either one of us can imagine. It's, uh, okay. That was perfect. I hope so. I yeah, hope so. that was perfect. Yeah. And <clears throat> so there was a time in your career that you talk about specifically. So you, your your company and your business was all about serving others. And there was a time that you talked about when you looked in the eyes of that gentleman picking the underwear out for his wife, the farmer, and that's when it occurred to you what business you were really in.
1: Yeah, yeah. God spoke to me through that smelly, dirty, ugly old farmer trying to back, excuse me, trying to buy a pair of thirty-nine cent panties for the old lady, and we were struggling to consummate that sale. And it was only a 39 cent sale. And I was tremendously impatient with him. And then God said, "Whoop, Cal, wait a minute. What's going on here? Look at him. Consider his life. He is struggling relative to him, you're rich. Now, we weren't rich back then, but relative to him, I was. And here he is, perhaps even more than he realizes, exercising his love for his wife in making a sacrificial purchase, which is only 39 cents, but he's doing it out of love. By the way, Cal, that farmer is a lot like your grandfather, but your grandfather was able to get ahead. That farmer probably never will. The rest of his life may be a struggle, but he relies on this store to help him make ends meet this store that sells ladies' panties for only 39 cents. There's a ministry here. Anyone who can recognize ministry in business or whatever earthly enterprise is blessed. And I was called into ministry, Greg, but it was the ministry of that business And I had the gosh, awful role of being boss's son, which is something I'd recommend to nobody. Think about it. Boss spelled backwards is double (laughs) S-O-B. And I I concluded that a boss's son must be a triple S-O-B then if a boss, you know,
0: well, what does that make the grandson of the
1: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But uh, look what we're illustrating right here. We're laughing. I think that's one of God's great gifts to us is a sense of humor. You know, and that's why
0: I say this is such an incredible story that, that I think a lot of people miss because they see the money and the stores and the sales and the, you know, the public offering and they think, you know, and, and to look at that, you think, oh man, it must have been just such a great ride. But there's those moments like that when the epiphanies of your life occur that guide you the rest of your life. And then you go back to your grandfather and to think it all started there. So, so and when he was no different maybe than the farmer. So, how does that happen? How does your grandfather end up creating this thing that you your life was such a just such a huge part of and, and you've been able to make such a huge impact from it? How does that happen? well, um,
1: my father jointly founded the business with my grandfather, and my father was once asked. Well, Mr. Turner, what was your mission when you started the business? One word was his answer, survival. We all have a a grounding mission, and his was survival. Well, when we're more honest about our struggle, whatever it is, we're in a better position of discernment from God about what to do. We have such a hard time being honest with God. People sometimes say, "Honest to God, well, uh, that's hard as hell to be honest with God, to say the truth." <laughs> and, and it, it also involves being honest with self and uh, I have a hard time doing that Greg I am a backsliding methodist. Let's see what was the question
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think we got the answer <laughs>
1: uh, Okay good
0: <laughs> we have a tendency to do this everybody thought they were going to hear how do you build you know a company into 600 you know and we could oh, talk yeah. about that stuff all day long but your book And I'm going to put the links in there for for this. um, There's one thing I'd like to tell you, if I may. Yes.
1: Uh, I decided to own my role in the company. Look, we all know how I got my job. I'm the boss's son. And I confess to you that I'm over my head in my job. And I need your help. Now I've tried to do, I have done most of the jobs you do growing up and working in this business and I am good at none of them. But that makes me respect you who are good at them. And it helps me to know that I need your insight and wisdom and if you will help us to put this company together in a way that that really works for the customer, all of us together, there will be great success and I commit to you that we'll share it with you. If you help us, we'll all share the success. My dad used to say, I love to share the cake with anyone who helped me bake it. <laughs> it So yeah, this sophisticated leadership. I would say, hell no, you've got to connect with real people undergoing real problems in life. And I found that business gave us opportunity to do that, to help each other, to help each other to learn. But you've got to get over yourself. You've got to admit what seems obvious to others. You've got to admit your mistakes. You've got to admit your inadequacy. And they'll be encouraged to help you overcome that. If you share yourself with others, they will help make it worthwhile for you and
0: them. Well, you just shared with us the true, most pure definition of sophisticated leadership, what you just said. (laughs) Most leaders go and they get uh, an MBA from the top schools in the world and will never connect with what leadership is at its essence, at its true spirit, at the heart of leadership like you just did. That is sophisticated leadership.
1: Well, well, thank you. I, I haven't thought of it that way.
0: <laughs> it is. And, uh, you know, everybody thinks strategy and planning and goal setting and vision. No. Sophisticated leadership is what you just defined. It's taking others over self, yielding to them, and not only allowing them to do their job, but inspiring the greatness in them to even want to do the job for you.
1: Well, Greg, when I was getting out of the Navy, I had uh, become an officer in the Navy and done my time, I decided, well, maybe before going in the business, I should I should get my MBA. So I applied and went through all the paperwork and the stuff, of two of the really top business schools. And I heard from each of them. One of them rejected me. <laughs> and, the, and the other one said, your application is incomplete, but we invite you to resubmit. I said, well, thank you, Lord. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go back in the business and learn from the founding entrepreneur of that business. And when I got back there, Greg, I discovered that he was a terrible teacher. He couldn't explain to me why he did things or how he made decisions. It all seemed to come from his gut. And I would say, Well, Daddy, is it, uh, what made you decide that? Is it, uh, this, these reasons? No. These were, no. Well, I kind of, you know, he couldn't explain it. So I thought, well, all right, maybe I should have gone to one of those highfalutin institutions of higher learning to get an MBA. (laughs) But but I got, I, I was blessed with better training when I got back to the the company. And you know where I learned my best, you know how I learned my best resource in the company? How's that? I learned it from the customer. If you know how to ask good questions, the customer can explain pieces of the business to you that you should put together in a better understanding, I could have learned so much from that ugly, awful old farmer and and that transaction of the ladies' panties.
0: So, you know, it's interesting. We started this conversation, and maybe this is a good way to, to wrap it up, because you know you and I can talk all day. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think they'd listen, yeah. Yeah, because they're smart. We started with you saying you have to ask the right question to complete your journey of faith. And you just described that the journey of your company was derived by asking the right questions. And that perhaps now looking back, God was talking to you and educating you and training you through the customer with those questions. Yes, yes. So here's the question. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is your question now? You're 80 years old. You've, you've, you've lived this incredible life that only God could create through you, through your dad, through your grandfather. So what's your question now?
1: Well, let me go back to my experience of my father. When he was calling every store manager, every Saturday night from the upstairs bedroom after which long exercise I would collect his doodles and he would always doodle the same three-letter word embellishing each of those letters. It was always N-O-W. Now. And I'm 80. And the most one of the most penetrating questions is God, what now? I was once asked, what do you want your legacy to be? And I said, I don't want one, I'm too selfish. If I even if I did create one, it'd be all about me and it'd be short-lived. I want to discern where God's on the move that I should get on board. What now? What now? What's tugging the hardest at the the guts of your listener, of you and me? Well, God is in the tug and asking the question and pausing for some time of discernment I have to let God in. Most of my time is spent trying to get out of God's way because God's in everything. Where are you God? What should I be doing to honor you? How can I praise you better? How can I be more thankful for life and the opportunity you Give me, how can I be a good steward of today, of
0: N.O.W. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And Cal, thank you for writing your book for the title that you uh, were given and decided to use because you still had a choice. And, uh, and for spending a few minutes today, you know, sharing your wisdom and and your stories. And it's just, it's just always so much fun to talk to you. I just, I really thank you so much. Thank you. You made it fun. great, And I thank you.